Welcome back, friends, to the self-care unit with Operation Happy Nurse and Don't Clock Out. Today, we are joined by Samuel Calvin. He is a psychotherapist who moved into the profession after working as a first responder. He has done research and work in psychological first aid, trauma-informed care, and trauma screening. So thank you so much, Sam, for being with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. So I, I love psych. I honestly constantly think about being a mental health nurse. How did you make the transition into a first responder into what you do now in psychology? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because I kind of went back and forth quite a bit. I got my undergrad in psych, but to say you got your undergrad in psych is kind of one of those of like, I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I got a psych degree. And I, I, I honestly really did like it though quite a bit. And so right out of school, I worked at a treatment center working with kiddos who had been subject to abuse and neglect. Um, but within that little world, I kind of went as far as I could. So I started looking at like, what else can I do? Because I really love the helping component. And so then I got my EMT license. Um, from there, it was just, it just kind of took off. I was on ambulance for all of a couple of months before a friend of mine who worked in the ER in downtown Denver was like, hey, I can put in a good word for you. And so I was like, absolutely. So then my patient care went from 20 minutes down the highway to hours. And I thought that was just like the coolest thing ever. And so I did that for five years and I loved it so much. I love the team dynamic. I really, really enjoyed just the job in general, but it was one of those where as much as I love the job, there are the negative aspects of it. I started feeling a lot of the secondary trauma. I started feeling burnt out all the time because it was just one of those where we were short-staffed all the time. We had to do X, Y, and Z things. We did CPR and like 14 people. It was just like, holy cow. And I really just kind of started to feel it. And all it really took was like one really bad case to make me realize like, yeah, I, I want to go back into the world where I can like help people and really deal with stuff like this and really take on the mental health side of things because it is really kind of almost avoided, I feel like, in the healthcare world. I I mean, I think a lot of my burnout was really coming from one of those where you start your shift at 7 a.m. and by 7.30, you've coded a patient, you've done X, Y, and Z things, and you're exhausted, but you can't stop. You still have 11 and a half hours of your shift left. You got to keep going. And it was a lot. And it was one of those where that's just the mentality sometimes. And it makes sense. I mean, there's still sick people. You can't just shut down because you had a bad half hour. Other people are still dying. And so it was really me trying to figure out like, what what else do I want to do within this world that I've already kind of been exposed to. So. Yeah. I feel like it's it's interesting too, because no matter what nursing or side of nursing you're in, you're dealing with mental health. Like you're going to deal with, you know, yeah. just, but it's so, it's interesting you say that because I just worked two back-to-back 12s as most people do. And I am, I woke up this morning, I slept like nine hours and I was like, I never do this. Where is this coming from? And it's just that exhaustion that you don't realize is building and building and building and then like my friends were like hey let's go do something today and I was like you know what I don't think I can like I physically mentally emotionally do not have it in me 
And so it, it is, it's like people like you are important because I think we don't, we don't sit with that and we don't have people that start with the mental health first and then let's get into everything else. So thank you for what you do. Yeah. Oh, I just, I want to say how much I relate to that, like that one moment or that one shift or that one case that defined how you felt about your career choice going forward. And I definitely have had like two or three that stuck with me forever. I still have dreams about it. I still revisit it over and over and over again. And that's not healthy or normal. And, but in a sense, I'm glad that happened because it gave me that push that I needed to be able to advocate and say, like putting my foot down, this has to change. Like this cannot be what this is forever. So I know so many clinicians who have also had experiences with that. And that led them to just leaving the field entirely or taking a step back, which is completely valid, right? Well, it's like two things that you guys have both said is like, it is very awesome to hear that you guys are really in tune with the fact that like, this is taking a toll on me. Whether we're sleeping nine hours and being like, I cannot hang out today. That alone is like, you're listening to your body. But it's one of those where sometimes a 12-hour shift, if we rock those three twelves back to back to back to back. We're not going to listen to our body. We're not going to really listen to the cues that it's like, I need to hit pause. And I think that's been one of my favorite things really working with operation happy nurses, especially is like, I've done a couple um, discussions where it's like, we really talk about like, these are the effects that can happen. And we don't have to necessarily be like, Oh, this is it. I'm burnt out. I can't do this anymore. It's, if we can get to a point where we realize that and we can start working towards what can we do to, to like fight this? What can we do to want to stay in this field? Cause like you're saying, like a lot of people kind of jump ship and they're like, I can't do this anymore. And that's okay too. That's one of those. You're still listening to what your body needs. You're listening to what is best for you. Um, but I think I most recently talked about secondary trauma and just the fact that like, it's as much as we are kind of taught in the healthcare field to like don't take it home with you like it happens move on that's not how humans work like we're gonna have those experiences that like we're gonna take home and we're gonna really kind of have that sitting heavy on us for a while I mean whether it's coming up through nightmares or just constantly just kind of thinking about it or even just like making us just kind of not who we want to be it's it affects us. And it's one of those, it's okay to admit that sometimes. Oh, you're amazing. <laughs> and I think what's really great too, is that there needs to be more clinicians that understand what it is that healthcare workers go through. Um, and so I love that you're working with Operation Happiness because it's so much better when you have a clinician that understands what you've gone through, through lived experience. So it's just amazing. Um, we know as nurses that no matter what specialty, the mental health of our patients will always be a factor of their overall health and healing. So what parts, if any, of your work as an EMT have brought you into your current work, which you've kind of answered already, but maybe expand on that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, kind of like what I was saying, I, working as an EMT was such a unique experience. I mean, not only did I realize that nurses run the world when it comes to a hospital, like you guys do everything, but it was also one of those where it's unique because you see people 
on their worst day. And sometimes like it's almost a healthcare mentality of like, God, somebody's worst day is going to be my best day at work. If I have a day where it's like, oh, I put in a YouTube and we did this, we did like, if you list all the things you're like, it was an exciting day. Your excitement's kind of coming from someone's really crummy day. And it's one of those, it's like, that was a kind of a step back for me where it was like, I didn't necessarily feel myself becoming like jaded, but it was just like my reality of like what I was dealing with was kind of skewed. And it's, again, it's just an aspect of the world and that's okay. But I then kind of took a step back from that and wanted to realize like, Hey, what can I do to kind of like keep myself grounded while still doing this as well as what can I do to expand on this? And so whether it's working in the amazing team dynamic that is an ER or just kind of like really taking a second to kind of reflect on like, okay, so this was my day. This is how I experienced it. It kind of just made me realize that mental health really ties into everything. I mean, even the debrief conversations that we'd have after a bad code, you're you're pretty much everyone's a mini therapist. You're just sitting there talking. You're like, how are you doing? Like that sucked. And just letting someone just vent to you or even just negotiating, like, you know, that didn't go well. That made me feel this way. And so as much as like we try to like act sometimes like water off a duck's back of like, nope, doesn't affect me. I can keep on going. I'm the toughest guy ever. That's not really the case. But at the same time, it's okay. That's not the case. Yeah. It's interesting when you were talking about how the patient's worst day might be like our best day because it's exciting. I was thinking that that even for me, I might have the best run of patients, but my fellow coworker might have the hardest day ever. And it's interesting how it's just really just a mixed bag. And so you're constantly going from woo to, oh my gosh, I hate my life. Woo, you know, and it's that's what's exhausting. And at least for me, and I'm, I'm in med surge, so it's, I don't know how you did ER because that is a different beast. But right now it's like we're going out of ratio. Night shift is going from like one nurse to six patients and they are they're calling out because they're getting sick because it's flu season. And Sarah and I were talking about this before you came on, but it's just like it's a cycle because we're losing staff. Mm-hmm. They're getting sick. They want it. We feel like we have to come to work anyways because like you don't matter. And so we come in. <laughs> and so we're trying to change that that verbiage because that's that's kind of how you feel like oh I'm expendable like I can't I don't have PTO so I'm gonna come in anyways and then well um you know it's yeah. like just keep going and going yeah it's super interesting too like how after like a code goes incredibly well how much adrenaline you feel excitement you feel and how proud you feel and then the polar opposite when it doesn't go well at all and there's a breakdown in communication mm-hmm. and there's not a good outcome. And how much of a downward spiral you can get into if you don't actually address that in practice. And sadly, we really don't debrief enough. I can count on my one hand how many times I've debriefed after a code situation where I actually got to sit down and talk to someone and talk about what went wrong and what could have gone better. More so, we've had debriefings where it's like shaming the staff for how things went wrong or getting yelled at by a clinician because it didn't go the way that they wanted it to. And so I think we have to reshape how we address, um, how we cope immediately after traumatic situations like those. 
Um, and it's not just part of the job. It's really someone's life that maybe was ended or someone's life that was saved in a miraculous, amazing way that we do sometimes. But it's still like a really unique part of the human experience that is unique to healthcare. And we don't really have a set um, standard of how we address the mental health toll of that. And I think through Operation Happiness and Don't Clock Out, we're working towards um, getting some kind of structure to be able to support healthcare workers through these things. But there's a lot of work to be done. And also, just Sam, I'm, th- I'm thinking of you in this and how perfect you would be. I don't know if you'd like to sit in on one of our support groups. But Don't Clock Out hosts a weekly peer-to-peer support group at 7 p.m. Eastern time every Thursday on the Circles app. And the information's on our website. But we would love to have you maybe sit in and listen to our conversations because that is the way that a lot of clinicians have been able to cope through our organization and through our weekly support groups. So it's completely anonymous, voice only. It's a really cool resource. And we would love, love, love to have your insight there. I think that'd be incredibly cool. I I think one of the things too is like people like Operation Happy Nurses or Don't Clock Out. Like it's that coming together aspect too that is so powerful because like it it can also feel very isolating sometimes when you feel like after a really bad code, like oh crap, I did that wrong, or if you feel like you're getting shamed for X, Y, and Z things, or just that breakdown in communication of like what could I have done better. And so it's very common just to isolate yourself and be like, I messed up. I did this. But in reality, there's so many people that feel that exact same way. And so having that platform to talk about it is so awesome. I think that is wildly needed. And to like gather people from all the same like kind of area of expertise to be able to just like really kind of talk it out and be like, I had a really crummy day this is what happened. Then just like having the safe space is rare, but amazing. So I think that's so cool that you guys do that. So I'd yeah, love to sit on one, in on one of those. Uh, I just, I'm really passionate about creating a culture of vulnerability in healthcare. And that isolation and shame feeling is what gets us into these downward spirals. And I've experienced that as well. And I think if we just share how we feel in those moments and have someone who's experienced, who has 20 years of nursing experience or experience in healthcare saying, you know, I didn't feel 100% after that. And I, I am able to share that with someone who's brand new. And then it, it, it makes it so that it's okay to have those feelings that you don't have to suppress that, that you don't have to hide the reality that you're facing. So uh, I'm just, I'm excited. (laughs) This is going to be great. (laughs) I feel like I almost had like a, I'm 29. I feel like I had a midlife crisis though, like during pandemic because in post and like, we're still in this, but because I had a lot of guilt because I suddenly was overthinking everything. Like, is this my passion? I'm coming to work every day. I'm smiling. I'm waving. I'm helping people. But deep down, I feel like I'm starting, I'm just grumpy. Like I'm not positive. I'm being negative. I'm don't really want to be here. And I'm just coming here because it pays my bills. And so I came to this point where I'm like, I need to find that again and not in a toxic positivity, positivity mm-hmm. way, because we, we do a lot of that. It's fine. Um, but in a way that's, 
you know, like discussing things. And like you said, having support, because I always say if I didn't have the coworkers I do on my floor, like, I don't know if I'd be there because they just make or break my days because I need that support. So it's just, it's weird how all these, you know, it's like, you don't know behind the scenes, like how someone's feeling, which goes for everything in life. But I think because of like unsafe staffing, that culture of community where you actually have time to talk to your coworkers at the nurse's station and talk about how something went during your shift and commune with the nurse leaders, commune with the nurses who have 20 plus years of experience, talking to each other about your lives outside of healthcare, building that community and that culture of talking to each other. It doesn't exist when you are all running around like chickens with your heads cut off. And so I think that's why so many of us have started to leave our units. There's so much of a high turnover because the one thing that was keeping us there was that glue of staff really being able to talk to each other, to cope with each other, to have a little bit of a fireside chat in a uh, in a nurse's station. Everyone's got their warm blanket on. They're all drinking like uh, refrigerator ch- Shasta ginger ale. <laughs> and it is it feels like a family and it's beautiful. But we've really lost sight of that. We've lost that aspect that made it feel good, that made it going to work feel good, like mm-hmm. looking forward to seeing your coworkers. Just the turnover alone has eliminated that. So I think we're on to something. <laughs> I mean, it's so interesting, too, because like I, I'll chat with like a lot of my friends who are still nurses in the same ER that I worked in. And it's only been three, almost four years since I've been there. And like my buddy was like, you would know no one if you had to like go to this ER right now. And he's only been a nurse for, I think, almost going on three years. And they're already asking him to be like, be the charge nurse and stuff like that because they just don't have the resources anymore. They don't have their like core group. That's just not a thing. It's the high turnover, the constant like coming in with travel nurses and everything like that. Like it's just, it's almost as though like COVID has really changed the overall dynamics of healthcare. And I mean, one of the best things and one of my biggest takeaways from working in the ER was my core group of people. I mean, there's still people that I am very close with. There's people that I constantly am just goofing around and sending really stupid messages to. Like, but it's those people that are I have a connection with because we kind of went through some really crummy stuff together. But like to hear that that's just not really the like how it works now, it's that's scary because it's one of those like that was again, like you said, the glue essentially that held a lot of like the pieces from me crumbling together. And so it's it's hard to hear, but I think that's what makes like uh groups like you have so necessary at this point because if we can't get it in the work environment that we're going to every single day where else are we going to get it? Because it's one of those, like, I remember it was always so frustrating. My significant other would just be like, she, oh, how was your day? Like, tell me about it. I was like, I don't think you really want to know about it. Like, it was pretty grody, not a not so fun things. And sometimes I don't actually want to talk about it. But other times, like, it would just benefit me so much if you just knew what a yonker tip was. Like, holy cow. <laughs> like, little things like that. So, Yeah, Sarah and I talk about that too, how it's, 
Um, I think we're both with people that are not in the healthcare profession too. So it's funny because it's nice. You have that kind of break where I come home. I don't have to talk about healthcare and how miserable my day was and patients, et cetera. But at the same time, you have to understand that that person will never know what you're going through. Like to that, you know, to that point, because I used to get so frustrated (laughs) my boyfriend. I'd be like, why don't you understand? Like this is so stressful. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I have a stressful day too. I'm like, I know, but it's different stress. And it's just like one of those things that you just have yeah. to compromise. Like everyone's got their crap. <laughs> I explained to my husband what C diff is. And <laughs> so now he'll just randomly say, C diff. Oh, there's some C diff over there. <laughs> and it's just one of the funniest things, like a running joke between us. You're like I'm traumatized. He doesn't understand completely, but he starts to get it, so it's good. <laughs> yeah, as soon as you say that, I can like actively picture that smell somehow. So I can see it, smell it. You know, thanks. Yes, <laughs> compasses my world. So, how do you, Sam, find the balance in what you do? Because you're still helping people. So, how do you find that? To, I guess kind of get back to that me time and finding that balance overall. Yeah, I mean, a big thing for me, especially is like, I, as much as I say, I don't want to, I'm the type of person, I will put everything on my own back, and I take it all home with me. And so I have been really trying to kind of check myself with that, because it's it's not easy. I don't want to necessarily take everyone's, like, issues back with me, but like, comes from the reason we're all in this same field is we care. And so I can't just turn off caring necessarily, but I can find ways to essentially like help myself too. And so whether that is getting up ridiculously early in the morning before my, the rest of my day starts and going to the gym, that'll help me. That is a moment where I'm too tired to really even think about anything else, but then I can do something that I enjoy that is very physical for me. And it makes it so that I can like, really just own that moment for myself or it can be as simple as yeah if I have some of that baggage you know I'll allow myself to kind of lean into it a little bit and I'll find myself like a lot of times I'll go on a walk with my dog and if I do that it kind of gives me that opportunity just to like kind of sit there I'll think about it for a bit it's just me and the pup that's fine and then when I get home I'm going to go back to doing everything else that I need to do for that night making dinner doing the dishes that I didn't do the night before, anything like that. But so it's kind of that weird balance, kind of disassociating from it and really just kind of leaning into it. Um, And it's not easy and the balance is not always there, but that really then just kind of ties, ties into like the mindfulness of it, being really aware of like, where am I at with this? And sometimes that leads me to, I just need to vent to someone about some stuff. Or I just need to like shut down and watch way too much Netflix right now. So again, it's all about really finding that balance. And I mean, I should definitely practice what I preach a lot more, but it's just being, again, understanding yourself and where you're at. So I love that intentionality. Is that a word? Maybe Mm -hmm. did I make it up? (laughs) Definitely is now. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of dog do you have? Um, so I now have a GSP, so little, he's bred for bird hunting, not what we use him for. <laughs> he is much more of a snoozing on the couch and going on hikes on the weekend kind of pup. Yeah. And then we adopted a 
we finally got the impossible DNA figured out with him. He's a great Pyrenees border collie mix. Essentially, that turns into just a sack of potatoes of a dog <laughs> who is lazy and then randomly gets the zoomies and breaks everything in his path. <laughs> I love so, that. But yeah, that's actually my uh, one of my friends had a GSB and they're like just lovers. Like I, they kind of remind me of boxers just there to cuddle and love you. Yep. Yeah. Question for you, Sam. Um, what new or unorthodox ideas have you brought into your work as a therapist? Yeah, I mean... It's one of those where it takes a lot to shock me for anything at this point. I think a lot of that comes from just working in the ER in general. But I, I've been trying to kind of like provide that where it's one of those where it's open field. Like you can do and say whatever at this point. And I promise you it's not going to be as crazy as the homeless person smoking crack in the ceiling. Like it's going to be all right. So really just lay it all on me. Um, that's a big part of it. But then on top of that, um, I think I really just like kind of get to the point where I want to provide the space that I feel like people, especially in healthcare need. It's, it's surprising me how many of my clients are actually in the healthcare field. And so kind of providing that camaraderie piece has been such an interesting thing because it really expands the therapy I can provide. Because again, I know what a younger tip is. Like, it's okay. You don't have to like feel like you have to kind of dumb it down or like tiptoe around things. Like, just lay it all out. That's okay. And so it's been really fun for me actually having the opportunity to work with people in the healthcare field and provide the thing that I feel like was lacking for a long time to them. And just like allowing for that, like, it, again, it takes down so many walls and barriers so quickly. And I, I love it because it's one of those where it just kind of brings us to a point that can be very difficult to get to in therapy sometimes. And it feels like instead of us taking 20 sessions to get here, all right, we're here in two. Sounds awesome. Let's keep this train rolling. And it really progresses the actual like healing process really quickly. And so it's been one of the like coolest aspects. And so I am very thankful for the background that I have as an EMT. Being able to now apply that with my clients has been awesome. So that's the secret sauce. There it is. <laughs> I was like, so what you're saying is we have a lot of trauma in healthcare. Thank you. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I need help. Thank you. <laughs> my, myself included. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I should have done this way long ago. So right, but we don't like. I was telling Sarah like we just don't. I literally did not know that we had therapists available within our hospital that we could see until post COVID. And it, I guess it had been going on, but I'm like, you don't think that would have been important like during a pandemic? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, they're not available. So it's just, it's nice, you know, have people like you to talk about it because it's especially people that make us as healthcare workers feel heard and kind of understand where we're coming from. Cause it's mm -hmm. a different breed out there. Yeah. And I mean, you. but it's also like, it's the strongest breed you'll ever meet though. Cause what it takes to do anything in this in that field is amazing. And so it really takes a special set of person, special set of skills to really just day after day jump right into it. And I think like it it's one of those where even post COVID, during COVID and pre COVID, like everyone like that jumped into it this I've just seen the coolest and strongest people I think I'll ever meet in my life. So the resilience that comes with it is profound. 
It is. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> well, any final thoughts, Sam? No, I mean, I'm just really appreciative that you guys had me on here. It's really cool kind of getting to chat with you guys about the world of mental health and healthcare combined. So, yeah. If there's anything you. you'd like to share or with the audience or anything else, just let us know. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those. My biggest like takeaway is don't feel like seeking out mental health is like a negative thing or makes it appear as though you can't handle the job. Like that's actually the polar opposite. If you're taking the time to seek out mental health and like seek like help with the feelings that you have, that's going to just make you even stronger. It's going to make it even more badassness than you already are. And that's awesome. That's what you should do. And that's what you deserve. So I always like tell people like do it. I know it's going to feel weird. It's going to feel odd. It's going to kind of go against like some of what you think the mentality of healthcare is, but it's not, it actually just makes you stronger. makes you more just able to jump right back into that 12 hour shift and feel ready for it and less run down. So I love it. Camp four from an empty cup. (laughs) Yes. And the coping skills are so necessary. That's, the biggest takeaway I got from therapy my first time five years ago to now is like just having those coping skills, just have a tool belt of coping skills. That's exactly well, how I put it. <laughs> like Thanos, you know, collecting yeah. ring or gems or whatever. <laughs> but for, for mental health aids, that's... Yeah, that's same thing. It's fine. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much, Sam, for being here with us today. Um, We truly appreciate you sharing your knowledge and experience with our audience. Um, And to our audience, stick around for next week as we talk more about mental health and continue these amazing discussions. And we hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you. Thank you. Carly, Sarah, thank you guys so much. Take care. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you.